Hi everyone, Tiffany here with a super quick note that this podcast was recorded as part of a previous bundle season. That means that the dates that you're about to hear for the bundle, well, they're no longer correct. If you're interested in seeing what the dates are for this year's sale, please visit thebellydancebundle.com. There you'll find all the up-to-date information on our upcoming bundle. While the dates may be wrong and the class mentioned here isn't available through us any longer, many of our guests still have their courses available for purchase individually, so please do feel free to click through to their offerings and take a look. You're going to want to check it out after hearing how brilliant they are. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Tiffany here from Yala Rocks. Time is running out on this bundle, so if you're into it, make sure to get it before you forget. Every year, I have people who procrastinated just a little bit too much. Today, we have with us Sadie from Rocks Online, and this episode is gold. With the bundle, you'll get a month of Rocks Online, and let me tell you, even if you've tried it before, you're going to want to hop back in because Sadie has been adding to it every month and creating some amazing resources for dancers there. Today, we're diving into how Sadie sets goals for her students and how she decides what to teach at any given point. Plus, something super important in the dance space, mentors. There's so much good information here about practice too. I can't wait. We just have to dive in. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. Today, we're back with Sadie. Welcome back to the bundle and welcome back to the podcast. We're so happy to have you. Yay! Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you, bundle participants. I absolutely love this event. It's so fun. It's so cool to see the people you bring together. And um, yeah, it's just, it's such a nice opportunity for us to feel our community right now when we're all at home and not in person together. So I feel like the bundle has a new vibe this year. It's kind of like it's, it's, it's now it's become the thing that we were doing last year out in the world. The bundle is kind of like representing that for us right now. It's a nice community gathering. I, I always love that about, um, especially the 21 days of belly dance challenges, like is that community that grows around the challenge and we all get to know each other and we're all helping each other through building a practice habit, which is really, really hard. Yeah, it is. And we can't do that at workshop weekends and stuff when we're hanging out together in person. That's not something we can necessarily do, right? Because we're, we're just together for the weekend. We're just together for a couple of days, but here we're hanging out together for 21 plus days on Instagram together. So you really get to get to do that, that interaction and, and help and support the community in a different way. It's amazing. You're doing amazing stuff. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Sadie. So in this year's bundle, you are putting in one month of your Rocks Online service. And it's one of the few times that we've actually allowed like the quote unquote same product to be in the bundle several years in a row because every bundle is completely different. So the reason we allow that, the reason that I'm super into it is because you're always adding new stuff to Rocks Online. Like I get emails like almost 
like weekly from Rocks Online, hey, there's a new class or there's a live class or hey, check out what's coming up next. Like you've always got things coming up and coming out. And so I was wondering how did Rocks Online get started and what do you do within the platform? How does it continue to grow year over year? Wow. Well, Rocks Online, how did it get started, man? Well, I don't know if anybody here or you remembers Pow How. This was absolutely. Uh, yeah. So Pow How was one of the first online platforms where belly dancers started gathering and sharing content online, right? And this was already, so my son is nine and I was doing this like right after he was born. I was one of the very first contributors on Pow How. So already like, you know, eight or nine years ago, I was already starting to kind of get this uh, outlook on how to package and categorize content online. I had a little bit of experience from my DVD days, right? Creating DVDs into these packages of content. Um, but the online forum is different, of course, because it's just, um, it's more demanding for sure than a DVD. I feel like people would use DVDs over and over. But now with also social media and so much offering, like people have shorter attention spans and people just want to like get to it and get the goodies. So it is a challenge for me to have to balance those two things of like giving the goodies, but also creating, cause I am a, I am really, a, I am really about the education part of it. So I want it to be fun, but I'm also very much my goal with that is really giving people proper training. So for me, it's how to combine those two things because I know things have to be fun and I want things to be fun. But I also have to really keep that mindset of like, how do we really create something here that people feel like they want to be engaged for the long term? So my goal is really engaging people for the long term. So they come in and they try something and it's fun, but then they're like, but wow, I really want to keep going with that. And where does this go? So that's always my focus. Um, I guess the other thing I can say to that is I've been very lucky in my 15 year career working hands on with so many students that I'm getting this feedback constantly from the room and from the bodies on the floor and from the people to say, when I put a, a class or, or a theme to the group, I'm always getting that feedback from their bodies and from their experience to let me know like what's really working what's really um what is what is helping people get to that next level and actually learn so when people are stuck when dancers are stuck i'm stuck i don't like that feeling of being like presenting something and people aren't getting it so if the majority of the classroom isn't moving to the next level with me then i'm stuck there with them going you know what how do we solve this moment right now for people to get this technique. So I'm really big on that part, like the technical, how do we move forward? Um, what cues visually, audio or otherwise can I give to students to help them get this concept, get it into their body and then move on to the next thing. It, it sounds like being a workshop instructor in the way that you have like so copiously over the years, it really turns you into like a master observer of people. Like you really get good at watching dancers and seeing the pain points, seeing where it's, it's starting to stutter or fall apart. Yeah, totally. Do you, so then I have, my next question is then for students who are taking a workshop or taking a class, like 
how can they utilize those same powers of observation to kind of break through that same part, like where they're stuck with something because not right. Not everyone in every workshop is going to be able to progress. Like you said, it's, you know, it's the majority of, if the majority of the class gets stuck, you've got to walk back, but there's always going to be people who don't quite get what's happening. What would you suggest that those dancers do when they're taking a class online or taking a class in person where they're just, they're getting stuck and frustrated in that space. Cause that's a really frustrating place to be as a dancer on the floor in a workshop or even in your own living room. Yeah. No, it really is. And I think that's for me, the part where it comes back to keeping it fun and reminding people of the process and really just coming back to that present awareness of like, Hey, 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 we're right here right now in our bodies doing all what we are capable of in this moment. And then I remind people, you know, if you're looking at me yet, yeah, use me as a guide and a model, but remember I've been doing this for 20 plus years. And also don't compare yourself to everybody else on the floor in the space because we're all different levels and we all have different backgrounds. Some of you have literally never danced before. And some of you are coming from a childhood filled with dance classes or athletics. So I always bring that perspective of like, remember we're all approaching this from different perspectives already. Some of us have injuries, some of us don't. So trying to stay present in your own process. And then I use a lot of just like anecdotes and fun little sayings and personal, you know, a lot of times people say that I'm kind of silly and funny as a teacher because I'm always bringing in my personal experiences of like when I first started and how awkward things feel. And I also like to remind people that it's like anything worth learning, right? We None of us are, um, like absolved of the process of the pain of growth and learning, right? It's like anything worth learning and that's cool and exciting and meaningful or has any kind of value is gonna have a learning curve that's gonna challenge you. So I say that challenge is a good thing. If you're learning something and there's no challenge, you're probably gonna lose interest right away and it's probably not that valuable to be honest. So if you're in that moment of challenge, actually, learn to start flipping the negativity bias in that moment when you're like, I suck and I can't do this. And my body was not meant for this. And I'll never be as good as that lady or that person over there. Um, learn how to be present with that negativity bias that we all have, or that negative feedback dialogue that we do with ourselves and go, Oh, this actually means I'm learning something. It's difficult. It's hard. And this is the good stuff. This means this is actually worth something. And I'm going to tap in and I'm going to be patient instead of being so negative or mean to yourself, the negative self-talk. Um, just tune in to know in that moment that that's a good sign that you're there. You're in that moment of frustration. You're learning something new. And just learn how to tap into that moment and change it. So for me, I used to have a really bad negative self-talk and I don't anymore. So when it comes up, I just flip it. Not to say it doesn't come up, you know, but then I'm like, oh yes, this is that moment where I'm learning something and that ceiling that I'm gonna break and I'm gonna move to the next level. So it's just learning how to be present with the moment, check into what's happening for you and to get mastery over your own internal dialogue. That's really the secret, I think, to uh, peace anything in your life, peace with anything in your life, right? Is instead of going into that very quick reactive state of like, I suck and I'm never gonna get this into, 
whoa, I'm actually in the process of learning something that's really difficult. This is good for me. This is good for my brain. This is good for my body. Like, wow, we're doing something valuable here right now. This is really cool. All right. It's hard, but let's roll up the sleeves and let's do more. I love, I talk a lot about noticing self-talk and like having that self-compassion and flipping the script, but I don't know that I've ever brought up this idea of seeing it almost as like the chime for like, Hey, this is me. This is a positive thing. You know, like yeah. noticing it is, is the alarm in your head that goes off that reminds you, Oh, that's right. I'm learning. I love that perspective. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's absolutely excellent. So when you are doing these workshops, when you're creating all of these classes for rocks online, like you talked a little bit about getting feedback from the students and, and seeing what's working, you know, how you need to change your cues or what you're talking about or how you're teaching it. But how do you decide, you know, what to do next? Because you were on the podcast before and we talked about how, you know, you get to your goals and how you, you structure your practice to do that. And it was an excellent episode. Everyone needs to go back and listen to it. It's one of my favorite ones of the podcast we recorded last year. And I wanted to, you know, expand on that a little bit and see it from, you know, the opposite perspective, because we know kind of how you do it for yourself. So how do you then do that for your students? How do you set these goals and ideas and, and themes of what you're going to teach them through all the various ways that you do so? Yeah, well, the cool thing is it's a little bit art, it's a little bit science, it's a little bit wanting to have fun, right? Again, coming back to the fun, I always want to have fun. But um, there's just some fundamentals that always need to be present in somebody's learning journey. And yes, it's technique, right? I think um, it needs to come down to technique. How do we break these things down into bits and pieces, right? The mechanics of what we're doing. Um, that was how I started my, my journey personally was learning a lot of technique. And when I first started teaching over 15 years ago, I was always focusing on technique, but then a few years in, I started to realize, okay, how can I give more than just technique so that by the time they maybe reach that two year mark and they're getting better at the technique, they don't all of a sudden feel like, okay, but now what about my face? And what about feeling? Am I supposed to feel something with this technique? You know, right. so, um, pretty early on in my journey, I started thinking about those things with my students because everybody would get to about that two year mark and they were rocking the, the isolations and rocking the shimmies and rocking the like whatever undulations. But then it was kind of like the arms were just there and the face was just there and there wasn't a whole lot of projecting or emoting happening. It was just very technical. And I started to notice that in my own dance and my students that there was just this whole other piece of the pie, like pretty much the entire pie, probably at least half of the pie or more <laughs> missing because we were just so focused or I was just so focused on those mechanics of techniques, right? Um, so then I started experimenting with how can we start talking about some of these more really important deeper concepts like stage presence, breathing, being present with your movement, being aware of everything else around you, even though you're rocking out these techniques and your, your brain is really thinking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right, left, right, left, one yana, two yana. How can we also in the middle of one yana, two yana be breathing, 
be showing some grace, be showing that we're connected to the ground, but we're also open to the space around us. Um, how can we show that we have a connection to the music and we're translating whatever feelings might be coming through that music? So my teaching now has become a lot of technique based, but at the same time, we're locking in technique. We're starting to come back to that awareness again of like, oh yes, how does this feel in my body right now? How can I show that I'm relaxed so that my audience relaxes? How can I tune into a moment with this music and maybe allow myself to enjoy it while I'm dancing, while I'm working on technique? How can I continue to just feel more and more grounded in my body and at the same time open? to be able to bring in all those other elements. So I'm starting to bring all that um, type of ideas and concepts in right away from the beginning now. Um, and then from there to continue on with your question, I really just kind of break content up into just straight up technique, then things like combinations and choreo so people can start getting deeper into those concepts I just talked about. And then like little themes and challenges, maybe it could be drills, like we have a whole section of 10 minute drills on the website that's like no technical breakdown. It's you've been working on your technique, let's really rock out hard for 10 minutes on a technique and take it to the highest level we can. I have another category called slow flow, which is literally breaking down subtlety and nuance specifically of rock sharky dance because that's what's that's one of the things I think is missing right it's like we get technique but we're missing so much nuance and you usually and oftentimes students and and this is a great thing i think we all do this and we should continue to do this sometimes you can get one thing from one teacher and another thing from another teacher right sometimes you can get absolutely really incredible technical breakdown from one teacher and then maybe when it comes to nuance and subtlety you have another teacher that just fills that cup for you so intensely. Um, what I'm trying to do in my approach is give a little bit of all of those things so that maybe when a student goes on their journey to deepen into any one of those things that really fascinates them. Some people are just straight up technicians and they just want all the technique that they can get. So if they come to me or Rocks Online, they'll, they'll get an introduction to that. They'll get to play with that and then they can go on their journey deeper into the technique. Um, same thing with Rocks Online or with me, they're going to get that historical cultural context of where these movements come from. I'm really in love with Rock Sharky. That's really my passion. So that's the, especially the Egyptian stylized version of this dance, although it's not exclusive to Egypt, but it's really been cultivated in Egypt and the vocab has really just exploded in Egypt. So I'm still on that learning journey. Every time I go to Egypt, I'm studying and I'm observing these nuances that the dancers, especially the Egyptian dancers have with the music that foreigners, it's hard for us to sometimes understand just how it comes so naturally to them. Mm -hmm. um, so my slow flow category is all about that, that nuance and really tapping in and feeling comfortable with slowing down. Because I think also here in the US, we have this kind of like keep it moving and drum solo and one and a two and a one and a two and a bam, 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 you know, and it's like, yeah, we um, almost feel nervous to slow down. It makes us feel vulnerable. 
So I really like to go there now. I really like to encourage and challenge students to slow down and go into that vulnerability of slowing down and not having all the monkey tricks and bells and whistles to like keep us, you know, like feeling confident, I guess. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm just exploring so much. I'm also on a journey of what inspires me and what keeps me ex excited to dance after 20 plus years. And I'm bringing all that into Rocks Online. And the last thing I'll say about it is I did create a four level training program also about seven years ago. And when I did that, it's called Rocks Flow. And when I did that, I had to really break this down on the deepest levels that I possibly could to try and package how could I teach st uh, students the fundamentals as well as the high performance, um, professional performance into a package. So how could I literally take a beginner dancer and in four levels have them coming out of that knowing as much as possible that they could begin a journey into dancing professionally if they wanted to, or at least dancing in a professional setting if they weren't going to be a full out professional. So that experience of creating that program and have now had hundreds, literally hundreds of students through the program, I've also got to tailor that and really see what works, what doesn't work. And I'm bringing all that also into Rocks Online now. So. I just keep distilling my, my um, methodologies even more to what's most effective and what's really working and what's fun. So for me, I just keep bringing it back. It has to be fun. If it's not effective, if it's not fun while being effective, it's not going to make it into my, my offerings, basically. Yeah, I think if it's, if it's not fun, it's not worth it. Yeah. Right? Like, we're here because we found joy in this dance because it was fun, even when it was hard at the beginning. Cause nobody, none of, none of us, right. Foreigners coming to the dance started this and went, Oh, this is easy. Right. <laughs> like, no, but even people who are like, quote unquote, more natural at it came in and were like, Oh, this part's harder. That part's hard, but it was fun. So you kept, you kept coming back to it. You found the joy, you found the ability to express yourself in this particular art form and so you keep coming back. And so when did we lose the fun part? Because I think some of us have lost the fun and yet we're still here. And I think that's where a lot of like tension between wanting to practice and your dance comes comes in. It's like if it's because it's not fun to yeah. do it. So you've got to bring it back. I love um, what you were saying earlier about finding different teachers that fill different buckets mm -hmm. for you because everybody everybody has their own unique style of teaching and their own, you know, specializations within rock sharky and within the dance world. And so it's, it's really great, especially for me, I feel to like learn from lots of different people, but you know, some people might come to you to learn about the technician side, but other people are really going to like you for the performance stuff that you do and other people are really going to like you for the way that you present historical and cultural context to things like you don't know how you're going to resonate with different people so i like that you you present all of it and you're like here's what i feel are the basics here's what i feel are the things that are important and then you know i hope i'm the teacher for you in those areas choose as you will and like i think that's really great because we as through our dance journey, we're just 
constantly doing that. We're all eternal students finding the person who's filling the bucket that we need at any given time. Absolutely. And I mean, you could ask any of my long-term students. I mean, I have students that used to come into my beginner classes and <clears throat> I could tell right away because they'd say to me something like, oh, when you had that kind of music on and we were doing this, I really love that. I have literally had students that I have straight up been like, you know what, I think you would really thrive with this teacher because I could tell that what they were really into was maybe more of a an Egyptian style or even a tribal style or what have you. And I would guide them to other teachers that I knew that that's what they were looking for. And also that's part of what I've always wanted to do with Rocks Online and we're doing now is I have other contributors and we're, we are also specializing now in world dance with dancers from origin. That's always been very important to me. Um, we're starting to bring in more dance styles within genres and styles within belly dance and just continuing to support our community and show students the, the endless possibilities. And I think that's what really keeps it exciting. I mean, I know mm -hmm. not everybody agrees with that. And I do think it's important to have a mentor. So it's important to have like one teacher, if you can find that. But first I have to say how rare that is actually. You it's do not, a lot of experimenting to find that person. It's easy to find a mentor and people are like, well, what's a mentor? And for me, I'm always like, a mentor is somebody that you just like, you love being around them because they just, they fill your cup in general. So it's not just a like, oh, this person is the best at this thing. If you don't vibe with that person on every, every other level, that's not a mentor for you in my, in my personal experience. Like this needs to be somebody you literally look up to, like their character, their outlook on life, their you know, this should be a person that inspires you to want to do stuff, doesn't make you feel bad about your process or where you're at. And sometimes it just literally comes down to compatibility of personality. So if you don't have compatibility with a person, that should never be your mentor. You know what I mean? This should be something that fills your life up with something special and beautiful. But to say that while we're out there uh taking in all these experiences for learning, that's very important. And at the same time, we should have that anchor of our home, of a home-based class and community or a home-based mentor. So to me, it's literally the combination of those two things. And I really think the best of the best have those two things. Yeah. And that's when, especially before the pandemic, when I would talk about online classes, you know, because you know how it was. You kind of had to convince people to come and take classes on the internet. And yeah. it, I would always tell people, it doesn't replace your in-person classes. This is not a replacement for what you were doing before. This is in addition to, this is, you know, you have your in-person stuff and then you're augmenting your practice with your online stuff. And, you know, now the zeitgeist has completely shifted with the pandemic and online classes are just accepted. Like there's no question anymore that of course you're going to take belly dance classes online. But I think that continuing to keep that mentality of the anchor of the, the people that you continue to come back to, to your local community is so important because it is, it's the combination of those two things that can really push your dance forward versus just always being all over the place in Facebook land, taking absolutely everything that comes down the feed. Like, You've got to start with an anchor and then build out from there and experiment from there. Totally. I, that's the formula for me. And that's the formula that I instill in my students. And it's the formula that 
when I come across really incredible performers and they've had a similar formula themselves. They, and, and when I say mentor too, it doesn't always mean somebody that you are with long-term. If you can have that, that's such a blessing. But for some of us, it's sometimes one person who just pulls you aside and says, look, kid, you got something special. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and then you're like, really? And they're like, yes, what are you doing? Why are you playing in the small pond here? Like, get out there and do something. I've had a couple people say that to me and they literally changed the entire trajectory of my dance career because they gave me hope. They, they allowed me to believe in myself. They checked in with me a few times like, hey, I wasn't kidding what I told you. You better be doing something about that. Um, and those are a few of the people that I continue to look to and get guidance from and take private classes with to this day after 20 years being a dancer and having a career. These are the people I really trust those are mentors. They're people you can trust and you can go to them and you can ask them like, hey, I got this offer to do this wedding in Dubai or Florida or wherever. And you don't know who to talk to about that. A mentor would be somebody that you would feel absolutely confident that they would give you the best advice on how to move forward on something like that, you know? Because I've also run into the opposite where people just really don't want to invite you into that because they maybe feel you're a competition for them or something else. So, you know, and that, and that just, exists everywhere in life, right? So find find the helpers, right? Find the the mentors. That's what a mentor is to me. So and if you have the the blessing to be able to be part of that person's life ongoing, wow, what an incredible thing. But I just I I can like almost every dancer, top-notch dancer, I know I I know their mentor moments. Like we, you know, it's like there was this moment that like I think Aziza's part of your Yes. Uh, yeah. Um she had a moment with somebody and now his name is slipping me. Oh my gosh. I feel so terrible. Cause, but I just remember her mentor story. She told me, um, we were in the dressing room and his name came up and she just like, just got googly eyed and was like, he was the one, he was the one that came up to me after my show and said that I was special, that I had something special, and he saw it in me. He saw the star power in me, and I had no idea what he was talking about. She was like, this is one of her first, like, performances at the Ren Fair or whatever, and maybe you can get her to tell the story, um, but I just, I love those stories, because it is, it's incredible. What a gift, what a grace to find a person to do that, that shares that with you. And it, it comes from, and you were talking a little bit about this earlier, it's it's an abundance mentality, both in yourself as the student seeking a mentor and as a mentor, like as someone out there, you know, giving this advice and helping dancers along. It's, I think we're so much stronger as a community when we all ascribe to more of an abundance mentality and less of a scarcity, maybe your competition kind of mentality that, that can be problematic, I feel like in the dance space. So I, I love I love this idea of just giving freely Yeah, that happens and how, how that moment of giving freely can change people's lives, can change yeah. the whole way someone's dance journey is going, or even if they continue to have a dance journey at all. That is huge because not everybody's going to be a professional. And lately we've been hearing so many stories, especially from, dancers of color and black dancers in our community who have been opening up sharing their experiences of how they have literally quit or not quit because of moments of 
seeing themselves represented in other dancers or hearing a dancer, a teacher, somebody they looked up to literally um, being that moment for them to say, hey, you belong here. You are part of this. You are special. You have something special to offer. Um, it, it is exactly what you said. It's literally can make or break your entire journey. Yeah. It's, it's, we're very vulnerable to that. We really, I mean, as humans and especially as women, I feel like we really, that's one of the things we're really looking for in, in our community is that feedback, that reflection to really feel like we belong to something and that people are happy that we're around and they want us around, right? I mean, absolutely. Not doing this in a vacuum just to like, oh, I'm just gonna choo choo shimmy around my house forever and nobody's ever gonna see what I'm doing or up to. I <laughs> have those moments too. But at the end of the day, we wanna be able to go to the hopla and hip drop with our friends and like have somebody be like, dang girl, you've been working on your moves. You look amazing. Where'd you learn that? Or, you know, it's just, we all not only want to be inspired, we want to be able to inspire. So that's part of it. And it, you don't have to be a professional dancer dancing on a big stage. It could literally be a Hofla moment, right? Where somebody comes up to you and goes, oh my gosh, that move, how do you do that? Like, can I take a private class with you? That's how it happened for me. That's how I became a teacher. I was doing go. a move and a lady came up to me and was like, I want you to teach me how to do that. And I was like, I'm not a teacher, but here's my teacher's card. She's like, no, I want to learn it from you. And I gave her my number and I was like, I'll do private classes for you. She was a ballroom dancer. Her name is Wendy. Shout out Wendy if she's listening. <laughs> uh, and she's like, I want to do classes. I'm getting six of my girlfriends together and you'll come over on Monday nights and you'll teach us. And I was like, but Wendy, I don't know what I'm doing. And she's like, we don't care. We love you. <laughs> And that That's was so it. awesome. That was how I started teaching. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I think too, it's like, it can be a Hofla moment, but like, and we're going to bring it back around here. Right. It can also just be posting a video on Instagram, especially yeah. with social media now, like being able to see someone who looks like you dancing in the space, someone who, you know, is working on the same things you're working on. Like we, we can use social media for good, right? It doesn't all have to be a trash fire. Like we can, we can inspire each other and work together and, and build the community up. Um, so we're going to bring it back to that here because you are putting in um, for the 21 days of belly dance challenge. You've put in one of the 10 minute drills from rocks online. So real quick, before we wrap up today, I was wondering if you could give people who are doing this challenge or are working on layering, you know, in their practices, they're at home. They're like, okay, this is kind of what I'm working on today. What's a tip that you have to make layering a little bit easier for people? Because we've, we've all been there with the, with the brain breaking. Right. And now, now we've got the, the nice little chime going off that says, this means I'm learning, right? This, this, yeah. I'm not bad at this. I'm just learning. Yeah. Right. We have the chime that goes off for that, but what's a tip to kind of get people into it and, and working through that layering process? Um, one of the things I like to do when I'm layering, so say you have whatever move, usually it's your hip work that would be your autopilot, right? So you have to get one move kind of on autopilot. So let's say, for example, we're going to use a shimmy because that's what the drill is going to be. You have your shimmy going on autopilot, hopefully. Okay, so that's just going one e and a two e and a one e and a two e and a one e and a two e and a. 
then you're going to keep going. And the first thing I like to tell people to do, you don't have to layer anything with your actual body movement yet. You can begin to layer with the thought process. So as you're in your head going one yana, two yana, one yana, two yana, now I want you to say to yourself, while your hips are actually going one yana, two yana, one yana, two yana, I want you to say in your brain on one, lift the rib cage and on four, drop the rib cage. So you're going one in a two in and you're not gonna lift or drop the rib cage. You're just gonna say to yourself, lift, two, three, four, drop, two, three, four. So you're already starting to build the neural pathway, literally, that then you're gonna groove that neural pathway with physical movement as your brain starts to say, okay, I think we can try it. Then after a little bit of time, you're gonna go for it. You're just gonna to try to put that rib cage layer on there and then you're gonna to try to drop it. And every time that it falls apart, I say, stop, drop and roll, take a little inhale, shake it off, start again. Get that shimmy going, one and a two and a one and a two and a say to yourself, lift, two, three, four, drop. Then the next step is actually physically try it. And you just keep doing that over and over and over. And probably every so often you're going to get a moment where you go, oh my God, I did it. Oh, ah! and, <laughs> and it's just like that because here's the truth. I'm still learning layering all the time. So when I bring my layers to rocks online, a lot of them I just came up with in those weeks or whatever. And I was playing around with it and I didn't have it immediately, but I use that formula for myself every single time. And it works to this day. I, there hasn't been a layer. I haven't been able to at least somewhat master with that process. That's an excellent tip. That's an excellent tip because we talk about like, I've heard, you know, um, when you're learning choreography and stuff, like I like to rehearse it in my head. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm listening to it in the car, if I'm laying in bed, whatever, like I don't have to actually dance it to rehearse it, to start working it into my brain. I never thought of doing that with a challenging layer though, mm -hmm. because it's the same, it's the same concept in a different space. I, that's awesome. Sadie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You are always such a joy to have, have on here. I appreciate you and your time so much. Can you tell people where they can find you on the internet? How can they get rocks online? Tell us, tell us where to find you. Okay. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you, bundlers. I'm so happy to see you guys. Um, you can find me. I have my website, Sadie Belly Dancer with an R at the end.com. I'm on Facebook, Sadie Marquart, Sadie Belly Dancer. I'm on Instagram, Sadie Belly Dancer. And then, of course, pretty much um, I would say 99% of my offerings right now are all through Rocks Online. So, Rocks Online with a Q, R A Q S, online, all one word.com. We have um, lots of goodies there, some free things you can play around with. And of course, uh, become part of the bundle and you'll get a free month. And that's the best place to stay in touch with me right now. And the best part, everyone, if you didn't know this already, is that um, Sadie has created apps. So you can do this on your Roku. You can do this on your phone. Like it's, she's made it very, very easy to hop in. Um, and yeah. I think you're the first belly dance app. As far as I know, you're the first one to roll out on all the apps like that. That's yeah. super cool. It makes it super easy. Yeah. One last question for you before we leave. I'm asking everyone is where is the strangest place that you have ever danced? Oh gosh, the strange. We have to end it on a fun note. Okay. Well, there's been too many, so I can't. <laughs> but um, strange. 
strange. People have also been going with weird, ironic. <laughs> they're fitting. They're fitting it to their best stories. I don't like a horse ranch. I mean, I don't know outside on a horse ranch. Literally, I pulled up and it was like an outdoor wedding, and it was a and there was horses all around. I was like literally in between stables at a horse ranch, and I was like, okay, this is a little bit. I'm glad I wore shoes. I did have uh, like little uh, jazz shoes on. Thank God I did. I didn't always bring those, but I brought them in that case. And it was a lot of crunching on like hay. And, and um, I've had a lot of gigs like that, just very strange surfaces. I think I'm maybe a tactile person because I remember the surfaces. Like I remember the crunching under my feet, you know, stuff like that. But there's been a lot. There's been a lot. I'd have to sit down and think it through, but that was a strange one. <laughs> awesome. Sadie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Thank you so much for being part of the bundle. Thank you so much. And just to remind people, you said it before, but I just want to remind anybody who did this with me last year, we have almost a hundred new classes uploaded since last year's bundle. So as you said, it's always changing. We have several new contributors and we're on the apps now and we do live classes. You'll get a live class in that three months. Um, don't hesitate to check it out again, just because you felt like you did it last year. It's a complete different experience from last year. Absolutely. And that's why I love to have you back because it's, like I said, it's not the same product. It's always evolving. It's always changing. Flip the negativity bias. Yes. Just yes. It is so on point with what I hear from you guys all the time. We've got to take challenge as a positive thing and not beat ourselves up about it. As an opportunity to grow and learn and be excited, that mindset shift is so important. Because it's like I always say, you have to approach this dance from a positive perspective. You can't beat yourself up and become a better dancer. You'll have so much more success if you're kind to yourself and you realize something super important. You are enough. I'm going to start finding ways to put that into every episode. You are enough. So every time you hear that gremlin, flip it. Get happy that you're challenging yourself and that it's hard. It means you're learning. And if you want to keep that learning going with us here at The Bundle, well, you have until the 28th of October to grab your copy of the 2020 Belly Dance Bundle. Just like the confidence you've felt through the 21 days of belly dance, being able to just show up and dance, that's one of the things that I love about the bundle, is that we can just do that. Each and every time we step on the practice floor, we can find something to jump into that takes that uncertainty away. And that motivates us to come back. Because let me tell you, these instructors are amazing and they are so much fun to learn from. So until I see you in the bundle, remember, you are totally enough. And any work that you do on your practice, you do because you love it and you love learning and you love growing, not because a mean gremlin told you you needed to. <laughs>